hear you. Is that what somebody said? Oh, you get that? There goes all my fun. <laughs> well, good morning. We're glad you're with us. Um, if you didn't know it, the Holy Spirit is working. If you didn't know it, God has a plan, and the Holy Spirit's moving, and he's doing it in Carson City. If you didn't know that, you need to know that. And we're part of it. We're not all of it. We're part of it. The exciting thing about God's plan, and, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, but the exciting thing is God's going to do what he's going to do to a certain extent, and he's invited us to be part of it. But for some reason, he has his eyes on Carson City, and he's moving, and we get to be part of it. One example, I think, is the music that we have here. Each week, we have awesome worship, um, and I'm so thankful, and I think that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. We're not a big church. We're just kind of starting out, and we're young, but we can have this quality Music, you know, worship is more than just music, but, but music, for me at least, is a big deal, and so I'm grateful for that, um, and we want to be part of what God is doing, and so what we're doing as a church, part of the, what we're doing is trying to equip you to join in his mission, and so this week, Wednesday night, we have our last uh, Faith Basics class. Now, if you've missed the first two, no big deal. They don't build on one another. So come this Wednesday, 6 o'clock, here, there's going to be child care. We're doing spaghetti. I'll bring the noodles. You bring the sauce. So come Wednesday, bring spaghetti sauce. Um, if you want to bring a salad or a dessert, that's always welcome too. Um, but we're going to be looking at faith and works. We have already looked at who is God. This last week, we looked at who are you very important truths. And this week, faith and works, because there's, that's a real dilemma in the Christian life. Well, how much do I do? Uh, how much does God do? How does faith and works fall together? Well, I'm not going to tell you now, so you have to come Wednesday. And we're going to study mainly in the book of James, and we're going to see what it says. And we're, you, if you come, you will be at a table, you'll be eating food, and you will be discovering for yourself in God's word what it says about faith and works. It's not going to be me just standing here telling you. It's going to be you discovering. So that's one of the things we're doing. Please come Wednesday, um, Christmas Eve. It's going to be a lot of fun. Service is going to be short, about an hour long. Uh, it's going to be action-packed and constantly moving because kids are going to be in here. So every 10 minutes, something changes. Um, but that's going to be a great time to bring somebody because they're going to hear the gospel. And they're going to see some lives changed by Jesus Christ. We're going to have some baptisms. So if you have never been baptized, but you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, or you want to do that, come see Paul or I. We'd love to talk to you about that, and we'd love for you to get baptized Christmas Eve, because there, there's going to be people watching, and then they'll see this whole Jesus person is real, and lives actually change. Just so you know, you won't be the only one getting baptized. Others are getting baptized already. So um, come talk to us. That's exciting. And then, starting in January, a new series, six weeks long, uh, called Game Plan. And the whole point of this series, and it seems kind of long, but it's going to be exciting. I'm very excited. God's plan for you. Because the Holy Spirit's moving, God is working, and he wants you to be part of it. He doesn't want you to watch it. Uh, the Christian life isn't a spectator sport. He wants you to be part of it. The church isn't something you do. The church is a movement of the Holy Spirit, and you are called to be part of it, and you've been gifted, and you've been placed where you are for a specific reason. So th the whole point of this series in January is to figure out where you fit. What puzzle piece are you? Are you an edge? Are, you know, Where do you fit in the mix? And that's going to be a lot of fun. So come, uh, bring neighbors, bring friends to that so that they can discover, because part of discovering where you fit is do you belong to him to begin with? So we're going to be starting there. So that's exciting. I'm excited about what God is doing. And uh, let's pray and get into this week. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you came. Uh, we sing that song, that the hallelujah chorus. Um, and I just love singing hallelujah over and over. It's just a worship. It's a praise to you. Praise be to God because it's all about you. It's not about us at all. The Christian life isn't us working hard for you. It's you living your life in and through us. And it's all based on what you did, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the freedom we have from sin. Thank you for the freedom we have from legalism. Um, thank you that you did the work. Thank you that you came. And this Christmas season is the time for us to remember. Uh, Jesus, you coming, putting aside your deity and taking on flesh so that you could introduce us to God, that you could show us the Father, and so that eventually you could give your life for us and and win for us what we couldn't win for ourselves, reconciliation with God. We love you. Guide us today. Um, let us worship you with our hearts and our minds. 
and our voices again as we worship at the end of the service as we sing. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you don't hear it, the kids are actually practicing some of the songs we were just singing. So Christmas Eve is going to be fun. So uh, as I was preparing, this is going to be a, maybe somewhat of a unique message today because it's one of those that I almost didn't, maybe not almost, but I considered not teaching it <laughs> this week because as I looked at my own life, I considered going, you know, as I look at our family, I might need to put this off a couple months till we get some things in order. But God said, no, deal with it and preach it because we need this. But we're looking at the family and we have this, uh, we have this thing that we do. When you see somebody and you'll do it at church, somebody walks in, how are you? What's the answer? Fine. Fine. Yeah. Um, and maybe you followed up with, what have you been up to? What's the answer to that one? Oh, really? Okay. My everything busy. <laughs> if that's not you, that's awesome. But, but for, for a lot of us, how are you doing? Busy, exhausted, We're just busy, but fine. And that's kind of our response. I'm busy, but that's just what we do, so that's okay. We're, we're busy. And that's what I want to talk about this week, because we're talking about marriage. Um, next week, we're talking about marriage. This week, we're talking about family, but both weeks fit in with family. And this is one of those things that I think we often get wrong. Uh, I first discovered this. I've never really been, um, I've been pretty much a laid back personality and I always was that way. And then we got married and I had a wife and a, and a son and, and we had to do the whole life thing. And so my first job after we got married, uh, when we started trying to do the career thing was selling insurance. We lived in Auburn, California, and my job was to do sales and the company, it was for a great company. Um, and I was supposed to go to preset appointments. They would set up for me and I would just have to go close the deal. Uh, and it was a good product, so I wasn't peddling something people didn't need. It was a good product. But in Auburn, they kept scheduling my appointments in Stockton. So it was like an hour and a half drive every day there and then back. Um, and I'd be driving between them, and sometimes there'd be a three-hour break between. And so I would go, and I, I wasn't great because, honestly, when I sit down with somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm on a fixed income, and I can't afford it. I'm like, yeah, you can't. Dang it. <laughs> and so I wasn't one of those high-pressure salesmen of, you know, sell your cat so you can pay for insurance. But it was a time, it was rough because I would get home a lot. I would leave early. Callie was sweet. You know, starting out, she would, uh, you know, she's still sweet. No. <laughs> no, no, no. She would get up early and make me lunch. And now she does that 50% of the time. <laughs> but no, she would get up early. She would make me, sometimes she would make me a hot breakfast too. And I'd be out the door before Brennan was out of bed. And then I'd get home sometimes eight or nine o'clock at night. And it was just tiring. And I was exhausted and I didn't like it. I mean, I didn't like any aspect of it. I felt guilty for one, guilty because I'm not with my wife and son more. I, I felt angry that I had to do it because I had to pay the bills. Uh, and so it was something I just struggled with for like six weeks going, what are we going to do? Uh, we have to pay the bills. And in that same time, because I, I wasn't necessarily a great salesman, we didn't have a lot of money either. <laughs> so we didn't have time. We didn't have money. And it caused stress, bitterness. Can any of you relate to that? <laughs> have you been there? Are you there now? We're not going to take a show of hands. <laughs> but are you there now? That's part of, of life. And that's one of the things that families struggle with so much is busyness. This week I had a good illustration because uh, I was doing some work. Uh, if you go over to the kids area, now there's some wood in front. That's really cool. But so I, I like power tools as most men do. Um, this is a drill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a drill. It works really well when it has a, a battery in it, a nice new fresh battery. It doesn't work so well with, the, it doesn't work at all without a battery. So this week I was working um, and my batteries weren't charged. And so I had one battery left, and I'm working on it, and it was, it was getting dead. And so I, I moved over, and I was having to cut, and I had it on the, the saw. And I'd go to cut, and it's like, and it would stop. Okay, I'd start it over, and maybe you've used them. You know what I'm talking about. I'd get it revving up, a little, and it would stop working. The battery was dead. And I was still able to get a little bit, and then it just stopped working. Many of us are like tools working on a dead battery. But the difference between this and us is this will go, nope, I'm done. You got to charge me. But we will go, nope, we can keep going. And we keep going and we keep going and we keep going. The American Psych Association, Psychological Association, did a study a few years back. And it concluded that the majority of Americans know that their stress level 
is having health effects on their lives. They know that their stress level, and the number one reason for their stress was busyness. So we as Americans know we're too stressed, and it's impacting our health and our families, and we know that most of that comes from busyness, and we go, well, got to do it, <laughs> got to do it. And there's one thing that we often lack. There's one thing that we need in order to have healthy families and healthy lives, and that one thing is margin. And that's the topic of what we're looking at today is margin. What is margin? If you're a note taker, pull it out. Um, you're going to need it later, or you can download the app, Common Ground Carson, look that up, and you can take notes there. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. That's margin. The amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. So open up your Bible. We're going to be in Luke. But if you look at your Bible, it has margins. Some, these margins aren't very big in this. But, but the, the words don't run exactly from edge to edge. There's a space on the side, and that space is called the margin. And so the margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's having money left over at the end of the month. It's having time left over in your day. It's having the emotional capacity to deal with struggles. Margin is having three or four nights a week with nothing planned. <laughs> Margin is having time to think, reflect, and meditate. And I'm not going, oh, I'm talking, look at God's word meditate on God's word. That's margin. Margin is having significant time with God. God said, be still and know that I'm God. There's something about the silence that God speaks. Be still and know that I am God. How often, just think about this last week, how often were you still when you weren't sleeping for those six hours? Be still and know that I am God. If we consistently live lives without margin, we will miss out on the great things God wants to do in and through our families. If we consistently live lives without margin, we will miss out on the great things God wants to do in and through our families. Maybe you're familiar with the idea of Sabbath. We think of Sabbath as Sunday. Sunday is our Sabbath. That's the day we go to church and worship. As I have thought about Sabbath, most of the time I think about worship and rest. I think about both, that it's a Sunday where, where you worship and you focus on God together. Um, and as I went through, I wanted to look at what did the Bible originally say about Sabbath. So I looked it up at the beginning, and it actually said nothing about worship to begin with. It is a time of worship, but that's not actually how it started, which was oddly enough. The main focus of Sabbath was rest. God gave this command, and over and over, look it up. I encourage you, this week, look up Sabbath, and he tells his, his people, he says, you are to work six days, and on the seventh day, stop it, <laughs> literally, stop it. He said, don't work the seventh day. Do not let your servants work, your slaves work. If you have a, a home-born servant, whatever, and she has a son, don't let him work. Don't let your oxen work. Take the day off to rest, and that's his emphasis, rest. Because he designed you, God designed you to need to recharge. We can't go forever. Just like this battery can't go forever. We have to recharge. And if we don't recharge, then we're like that drill that's just going to make it. Rather than putting in a new fresh battery, and you can really get some things done. You can really get some things accomplished. But we were designed to Sabbath. We were designed to rest. And I, I put this note because I said, what's the problem? Why do we go, go, go? Why are we so busy? And, and so here's what, I, here's what I put for me. Maybe you can relate, but this is me. The problem is we don't wholly trust God. That's my problem. The problem is I don't fully trust God at times. So I take control. I have to do all these things because it's up to me to get all these things done. It's a lack of faith. Or it's we're going to miss out on something if we're not go, go, going. If we're not always doing something, we're going to miss out. And guess what? We, we will. <laughs> and that's okay. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10. Because we're going to see Jesus deal with this idea of margin with two sisters. You're probably familiar with this story, but you've probably not studied it. Maybe you have. 
Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Do we have a page number? Page 962, if it's in the Bible you're grabbing underneath you. Page 962. 963. Somebody got it wrong, David. <laughs> Let me pray one more time. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts to understand your word. You speak through your word. Uh, your word, you say, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is so easy for us to come in on Sunday, hear something good from your word, and forget it. I pray that that would not be the case, that you would speak to our hearts and we would respond with obedience, because it's for our good. You love us, but it's also for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, this is up to Jesus, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. She just told God what to do, by the way. If you, Tell her then to help me. <laughs> but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see Mary, Martha, and you see Jesus dealing with both of them. You see, Mary doesn't actually say a thing in this passage, but Martha does. But we learn a lot looking at Mary and Martha. Now, these two, you may be familiar with them. These are Lazarus' sisters. If you remember Lazarus, the last sign that we're going to see, we're still in the book of John, we're going to get there in probably February, uh, but the last sign that Jesus did was raise somebody from the dead. It was his good friend, Lazarus. These are his sisters. So Lazarus is probably here too. He's here reclining at the table, um, hanging out with Jesus. His two sisters are there. One is busy working. It's her house. It's her house. She's busy serving, making sure they have a cheese plate, um, making sure, you know, the rug is clean so they can wipe their feet, whatever it is. She's there working, and, and her sister Mary is just chilling, chilling at Jesus' feet, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to look at Mary. We're gonna, here's the pattern today. Here's the formula. We're going to look at Mary, then we're going to look at Martha, then we're going to look at ourselves and go, okay. Mary, what is Mary doing? She is seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Remember what Jesus says at the end to Martha, Mary chose the better thing. So there's something about this that's better than what Martha's doing. And some of us right now are going, wait a minute, everybody's going to be hungry. We'll talk about that because <laughs> that's where I go to. Stuff's got to get done. But Mary is doing the better thing. She's sitting and she's listening. She's in the position of a disciple. She's sitting, listening to his, his words. This is unique. Just culture, women didn't do this. Rabbis did not have women disciples. Jesus was breaking the mold. I mean, this isn't the, the topic. This isn't the main point, but Jesus broke the mold. <laughs> Jesus allowed women to be disciples. Rabbis didn't do that. And Mary took advantage of that. Jesus is in town, I'm there, sitting at his feet, listening. And he led her. He wanted her there. He welcomed her there, and he's teaching, and she's listening. She was in the humble position at somebody's feet. It's humble as a learner. But here's our first big point. God speaks to us in the margins of our lives. God speaks to us in the margins of our lives. If Mary was too busy when Jesus came to town to sit at his feet, she wouldn't have heard what he had to say. Nothing in her life would have changed from Jesus' words, that is. God speaks to us in the margins of our lives. When I read a book, I like to read, but I use the margins. And, and as I was studying for this, I thought, and I went and I grabbed a book off my shelf, a book that I've read, and I read, and I started looking through, and in the margin, I'll have a star, and then something underlined, or I'll have a check, or a question mark, where I disagree with the author, whatever, but I use the margins, and sometimes I'll take notes, or I'll, I'll read something really good, I'm like, man, that's a great point, and then I'll reword it so that I remember it, and I'll put it in. So if I want to skim through a book I've already read, it's fairly easy for me to skim through and go, oh, that was good, that was good, oh, he was wrong there, that was good. 
but it's the margins where I can see what really stuck out to me. And I think God does that in our lives. God speaks to us in the margins of our lives. Remember, what's the margin? The space beyond what's necessary. The extra, what feels like extra space. God speaks in that time. If your life is a book and your life is filled edge to edge with all the things you've got to do, where does God interject? If you don't have any time to be with him, when does he speak to you? You're here on a Sunday, so you can be like, well, he speaks to me for at least a half hour on Sunday mornings. Um, I hope so, through his word, I hope. But I'll tell you, that's not enough. That's like eating once a week. Would you eat once a week? You'd, You'd not be very comfortable. You wouldn't be healthy. But God speaks in the margins. This last Monday, um, you know, Sunday for me is a big day. This, you guys all think pastors only work one day a week. Well, it's true, ha no. <laughs> but, but it all does culminate in Sunday, and Sunday's a big day, and, and there's a lot of study that goes in and preparation and prayer, and so Sunday afterward is a letdown. I mean, a little bit, but it's a, it's a good letdown, but it's also like, oh, I said that wrong. Oh, what could I have done wrong? Oh, did I mess up? You know, there's some of that. So Monday morning, I get up, and I go out to my man cave. It was cold, um, and I start a fire, and I sit down, um, and I just, I open to the last two chapters of Matthew. Uh, I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and so those, that's where I was. I was in the last two chapters of Matthew, and I just read through, seeing Jesus' crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, you know, looking at that. It was just you know, it just kind of struck me. Wow, Jesus, you're enough. Jesus, you're enough. So then I decided to, I pulled out my phone and I looked up um, Pandora Radio, Chris Tomlin Radio, whatever, and I set it there. And the song that came on, because I thought, you know what, I need to, I don't want to just talk. Because a lot of times I do that in my quiet time, I talk too much. I said, I'm just going to listen. So I read that, I meditated a little bit, and then I turned that on. The song that popped on was Good, Good Father. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're a good, good father. Uh, what's What's the line about me? What is it? And I'm loved by, that. Yeah, that's it. And I'm loved by you. God spoke to me directly Monday morning through his word and through that song. And he said, I'm enough for you and I love you. If I didn't make time, I wouldn't hear from God. What about you? When's your time when God can speak? When you're willing to listen, when you're willing to listen. In those times, here's another part of it. In those times where I make margin and I pray, I pray for my, I'll tell you, my priority. I pray for you. Uh, Some of you I pray for more than others. But I pray, (laughs) I pray most for Callie. I pray for Callie and I pray for my kids, each one. And when I do, I know the struggles they have and, and, and I'll pray for each one. And a lot of times as I'm praying for them, God, you know, and I'm thinking about them, God will show me something that they need. You know, and this isn't some mystical thing, but it'll just, it's an obvious thing, but I didn't take the time to think, you know what, they, they need this or that. But if I don't take the time, he can't communicate to me. God speaks in the margins of our lives. Here's the next point. God works through the margin in our lives. God works through the margin in our lives. Again, margin, the amount available beyond what is necessary. And the first part is time. We need margin in our time. Again, if Mary, if Mary had other things to do, and she did, just so you know, she had other things she could do. In fact, while she was doing this, her sister was laying a guilt trip on her. You know, we see Mary talk to Jesus, but she had probably already talked, or I'm sorry, Martha talked to Jesus. She had already probably talked to Mary. Mary, get your butt up and help me. Mary, I need, you know, she was laying on the guilt trip. And so Mary had to fight for her margin of time. She had to say no to Martha. Which if you've ever had a sister like that, a relative like that, that was hard probably. She had to fight for that. We have to fight for our time, fight for our margin in time. Mary did. This, this job that I told you about, this insurance job. So the guy that trained me had two teenage kids. I only had one and he was four-ish. Um, he had two teenage kids and, and so we would go out and he said, you know, I make most of my sales Saturday, Sunday when I do my follow-up with ones earlier. I'm like, they never told me about that. I said, well, if you want to really close jobs, you got to go back and knock on their door again. And I said, well, that makes sense. He said, but at least we get Mondays off. So we got Mondays off, but that was the day where you did the conference call on the phone for four hours. <laughs> so, so there was all this. I said, I said, man, you have two teenage, I said, how old are they? He said, freshman and junior. I said, when do you spend time with them? He said, you know, it's not about quantity time. It's about quality. 
So for at least five minutes a day, I get face-to-face and ask them how they're doing. I went, you're an idiot. (laughs) I didn't say that, but I thought it. I thought you want what you want because he talked a lot about money and the money he was going to make so he could be, you want a lot of things. Then there was the regional manager for the West Coast and he led our conference calls. And so we had a conference call and I called him right after it, about six weeks in. I said, do you have a family? He said, yeah, I've got young kids. And he told me, I said, how much time do you spend with them? He said, well, right now, I'm doing a lot of traveling across the West. I have to travel, do all this. I said, so when, when are you with them? He said, well, not much, but I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna be making, I'm making really good money now and I'm gonna make good money, so I'm gonna have better time later. I said, so you're not with them hardly at all. Not really. I said, I quit. <laughs> I said, it's not worth it. I quit and I went and I started doing construction for 12 bucks an hour. Because I said, it's not, it's not worth it. Now, I'd love to say that I kept that. <laughs> but as life goes and kids get older, that, that margin gets smaller and you have to fight for it. We need margin in our time. Um, I made this note as I was going through. If we don't have any, if we don't have any margin, don't expect God to do anything significant. If we don't have margin, don't expect God to do anything significant. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty if this is you. Because this is what hit me this week, and I felt guilty. Um, this is where I went, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure I can teach this, because this last year has been the busiest of my life. <laughs> this last year, working a couple jobs, and Callie, you guys know Callie, she was doing worship for about a year. She was doing anything she needed, so pretty much she got a full-time job. Our margin went. It went. You know. And then October hit. Uh, kids did soccer, and Callie said, you have to coach, because if you don't, they might get a, you know, coach. So I, I, I coached both teams, you know, but, but that was this, and this year was tough. It's been very, very difficult in this lack of margin, and it has created some stress. And so I came in, as I was studying, I came into the house, I said, Callie, you know, let's talk about this, you know, we don't have much margin, and we need margin for the family, and we're, I'm teaching on margin. She said, yeah, I haven't had hardly any margin this year. It's been the worst. I said, but your devotion time has been better this year than ever. She went, it has. <laughs> it has. So in that, she has made better time in this last year to put God as a priority. So that's not an excuse to go, oh, fill up your time as long as you do devotions. But the guilt was there for us. And so one of the things we did, and we're all going to do this in a little bit, is, is we said, what are we saying no to right now that we really think we need to be saying yes to, but we can't because of no margin? She said, family devotions and Bible memorization. That's what she said right away. I said, oh. I said, well, the one that I had was family dinners. Sit down focused because that's when we did family devotions <laughs> and Bible memory verse. You know, we did all that at dinner when we weren't hurried. But because of all these sports and all these things and, and music concerts and all that, dinners went away. So we were now starting to make a plan. When are we going to have dinner so we can do these things? You know, in the margin of time, that's where God works. Uh, I think Callie is a good example of this. For Brendan's really old now. He's almost 18. Um, But for his whole life, for his whole life up until uh, he got too cool about a year ago, um, but actually even after that, at night, they would spend a long time just laying on his bed talking. And the best conversations happened then, not scheduled. Now, I think schedule worship time as a family. That's great. Do devotion. That's great. But the best conversations come when there's no agenda, life happens, and you can talk about it. If there's no margin, those conversations won't happen. Your kids, there's this weird thing. They won't ask the questions unless they think you have time to answer them. Or they think that you care to answer them. And when you've had some, I've noticed this, when we've had some fun time playing, doing what they want to do, it's after that that the questions come. The deep questions, the hard questions. But if we don't do that, they won't get to ask them. So Lydia is over there, so I can talk about her. Um, she's 12. She's getting to that preteen age, a little bit cool. Now I see you still like to sit with mom. Yeah, she has her arm around you. That's awesome. Lydia might go, uh. <laughs> getting a little, you know, she won't just come out and plop on our lap like Elise might or Kayla still does or Brendan sometimes. Um, <laughs> but she still needs attention, she, and she'll drop hints. She'll drop hints. You know, I was wrestling the other day with one of the girls, and she just walked by and kicked me, <laughs> and then went on her way. I'm like, oh, she wants attention. <laughs> you know, but there's, and there's other hints that she'll just drop that she wants attention. She wants me to grab her, force her to cuddle. She hates kisses, 
but I'll give them anyway. <laughs> you know, but that's sometimes she really doesn't want them. But um, don't record that. This could get dangerous. But <laughs> when I'm too busy, I don't hear her hints. When I'm too busy, I don't see the signs. I don't see the hints. But she needs me. She needs mom. She needs our time. Are we willing to do it? Do we have time? Here's the other thing we're going to look at. We need margin in our finances. Flip over. Or, I don't, do we have it up here? John um, 12. John 12, 1 through 5. Do we have that one? No, that's okay. You don't need to turn there. Just re- read this. Because this is Mary. Listen to this. This is Mary later. John 12, 1 through 5. Mary again. Right before Jesus goes to the cross. Six days before the Passover. Jesus therefore came to Bethany. So that's the village that they're in now. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, she's our, we're looking at her. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii. Mary took this bottle of perfume that had a value of one year's wages. The value was one year, a labor is one year wages. So right now we might say that's $35,000, $40,000. And she broke it open and anointed him. How could she afford that? Mary knew something. (laughs) Mary was in tune with something. She obviously was listening to Jesus. She's anointing him for burial. Some of his disciples didn't even understand what he had been saying about his death and resurrection, but Mary did. Mary understood. She had some knowledge that others didn't have because I think she was sitting there. I think others did too, but she was sitting, she was listening, and she knew what he was about to do, and she anointed him, and she had margin in her finances to do something like that. We need margin in our finances. We talk about it often, but God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. But he does want to use your money for his kingdom. Not because he needs it, because you will be blessed for it. As Paul and I were talking about that this week, Paul got kind of bright-eyed. You know how he said, show some joy? He did in this conversation. He's like, he said, when you, when you have room to be generous, when people have room to be generous, it's amazing how generous they are and how blessed they are for it. He said, you're surpri- you'll be surprised at how generous people are when they have margin in their finances and how fulfilling it is to be generous. But if you have no margin in your finances, you can't be generous. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul writes this, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collection when I come. He was taking a collection for the Jerusalem saints. And he said, on the first day of the week, store it up. Right when you get paid. Set some aside. So when I come, we're not going to be hounding you for it. It's just there. Decide up front to have extra. You know what he's saying? Budget. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Plan to give. Because if you plan to give at the end of the week or at the end of the month, and you open up your bank account, and I've been there, I've done it, there's nothing left. Finances are like a, a, a house. You buy a bigger house with more rooms, guess what? It doesn't take long for you to fill the rooms. Finances are the same. You get a raise, it doesn't take long for that money to be allocated somewhere. But do we decide, do we plan to have margin in our finances so that we can give first? And sometimes, here's what's fun. You know, you plan to give, you give, and then you have this other that just sits there. And I know people that have done that, and it's a great thing. You know, we're just going to have this sitting there, and then a need pops up, and you have money extra sitting there, and you get to go here. And there is nothing better. When Callie and I were first married, we, uh, we had a plan. And our plan failed. Um, But our plan, I was living in Russia when we got married. My plan was to be there another year. uh, And we were going to stay. But we had to move back quickly. So we had to buy plane tickets, all this stuff. We had no money. I mean, we had no money. Uh, The church that we were part of, there was a couple. And they were very new to the church. Um, And one day, they lived in the same area that we lived. They came and they just gave us uh, an envelope. And we opened it up and there was $500 bills in it. Now, you may think 500 bucks, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal. And we looked at this 500 bucks. We're like, and we said, why? They said, we don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know. We just wanted to, to give this to you. And you know who got the glory? 
God got the glory. Did we say thank you to them? Yeah. <laughs> we were very thankful. To, we were very thankful. We laid it on. I hope we wrote a thank you note. Um, <laughs> we're not good at that. But they had margin in their finances. They saw a need, or I don't know if they, I don't know how they would see a need, but they felt led to give to us. We had a need. They had margin. God used them to bless us. They were probably more blessed than us by being able to do that. That's what margin in the finances allows. God will work through our margin and he'll work through the margin in our finances. Let me say this real quick, family, because we're talking about family. Parents, do this in front of your kids. Let your kids see it. Let your kids be part of it. Take an extra hundred bucks. Family, who are we going to bless with this? You guys decide. You guys be part of this. Let them see. Uh, side note, parents, let your kids see you fight and reconcile. Not attack each other, okay? Discuss. We're going to, yeah, okay, fight's not the word. Let, let your kids see you disagree and resolve it. They'll learn. More is caught than taught. Include them in your financial decisions. We, we try to include our kids on all this church planning stuff and all this. We try to let them know, here's what we're giving up. Here's what we're hoping for. Here's what we're praying for. So they could see what's happening because they'll learn more from what they see you do. More is caught than taught. So include the kids in this. Now let's look at Martha real quick. Martha. What is she doing? She's serving. But what does it say in verse 40? It says, Martha was distracted with much serving. She was distracted by much serving. What was Martha doing that was bad? Nothing. <laughs> she was doing good things, but she was distracted by them. Distracted by much serving. She was the matron of the home. She would be judged, especially in that culture, for how her hospitality was presented. And so she wanted to serve them well. That's not a bad intention. She wanted to take good care. That's not bad. But something was off because Jesus said, Mary's chosen the better thing. Martha was distracted with good things. Her serving was out of balance. And I think in this, there's a clear, it's not explicitly said, but there's obviously something wrong with her intentions. Her motives are off. Because if her motives were on, things would be okay. You could still get things done. Because I'm an achiever personality. I, for me, it's like, well, if somebody doesn't do it, everybody's hungry. You know, who's going to pick up the dishes? I mean, somebody's got to serve. And we know that to be a fact. Somebody, you know, there's got to be, that's got to be done. But are we distracted and focused on that? Are you so busy doing good things that you miss out on Jesus? Listen, while Martha was occupied with things, Mary was occupied with Jesus. While Martha is occupied with things, Mary is occupied with Jesus. She's so busy with the good things, she missed out on Jesus. You see this all the time in church. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is, this is a, a danger in church. It's kind of a disease with some people of serving in church. Now, as a church plant, we're not very big. We need people serving and doing stuff, so I, I almost cut this part out, but I can't. <laughs> but but we, we sometimes can, can I'm going to place God first, and so ministry is God. And so I'm going to do all this ministry, and my family's going to miss out because I'm doing all this ministry. But you're doing it for the wrong motives, and you're missing out on the most important thing, which really is your wife, your husband, your kids. Ministry is not Jesus, by the way. But we get so busy, and a lot of times in church, it's with wrong motives. People will do something to be noticed, um, or because they think things have to be a certain way. One commentator wrote as I was studying this, Martha knew she was right. Martha knew she was right, and she, she was wrong, but she was convinced she was right. Things need to be this way. This is how it needs to be done, and I'm going to make sure it's done this way, and I'm going to get on you for not doing it my way and helping me. Get... Do you know anybody like that? Are you like that? <laughs> Sometimes I can be like that, but she's consumed with that. And so a lot of times what happens in, in churches is we get busy doing ministry and we miss out on Jesus altogether. That can be an easy thing. I'm going to pick on the worship team a little bit, you know, because I watched Callie do it for this year of, of setting up people. Okay, who's going to do this week and next week? And got okay, what's the arrangement going to be? And so you can get working on all the pieces of worship and then get up here and not worship. 
Now, I think Callie did excellent at that. She was a great example because she knew when to set it aside. I think Paul does an excellent example on that. I think our entire worship team does an excellent thing on that because we talk about that. If you mess up while you're doing it, no big deal. I mean, do the best you can, but it's about worship. We can't focus on serving and miss out on Jesus. Honestly, a lot of pastors, it's a danger for me that we get focused on studying and teaching, and I have to be right. I have to be right and teach it right, which you do need to be, by the way, if you're going to teach. <laughs> you need to be right as much as you can um, because the Bible says you'll be held to a higher standard. Um, and not many should become teachers, but we can be focused on this and miss out on Jesus. So this week, as I'm studying this, Jesus is talking to me. And I could go, la, 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 this is for them. <laughs> Jesus says, no, I want to deal with you. Are we occupied with good things, but not the best things? Now, one of the things that stuck out to me is that Martha is busy with good things in service. We can't always say the same. <laughs> she wasn't busy with Facebook and Candy Crush. Um, Slitherio, great game. <laughs> if you're killing some time and you need a game, Slitherio. Anyway, um, but it can really suck up your time. But we can get consumed with things that aren't that important. Binge watching that show that just came out on Netflix or whatever it is. Um, and I see smiles because <laughs> I'm not the only one. But we can have things that can consume our time that aren't nearly as honorable as what Martha was doing. Which means I think we have some things that we could cut a little bit easier if we just thought about it. And there's two aspects, and I did feel the need to point this out. There's two aspects to this, to, to Martha. There's spiritual maturity and there's personality. Some personalities gotta get things done. Some personalities are achiever. I have some of that. I'm not completely that. I have some of that. At the end of the day, Callie will say, hey, how was today? I'm like, I didn't accomplish much. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, I measure my day on what I accomplished. And so Saturday, I need to get things done. I got to go, I'm going to build something. Um, that way I got something done. But so some of that is personality. Some of it is spiritual maturity. The spiritually mature person will step back and look and go, okay, God designed for us to have Sabbath and rest. I believe him. I trust him. We're going to make this happen. Spiritual maturity will lead you to do the things you need to do. That's going to be harder for that achiever personality. Let's just be honest with that. So if you're one of those that like, that's easy for you, you can quickly judge that person that's busy all the time. Careful. <laughs> God made them that way for a reason. And in, in fact, you take that personality and it's pointing in the right direction. It's amazing what can be accomplished for the kingdom. So there's two aspects. So if you're that, don't think, oh, I'm just immature because I'm struggling with that. But you, you're going to have to work a little bit harder. But there is a personality aspect to it. You see that with Martha. Later, when Lazarus, her brother, dies, we see Martha and Mary again. Martha first. She runs out to meet him and she scolds him again. And then she goes back. Mary runs back and says almost the same thing, but with a different tone of voice. It's, it's partly her personality. And Jesus is patient with her. But with Martha's headstrong personality, she tries to bring others into her busyness. The world, our culture, is going to try and do that to us. And I get it. I get it. Here's in your notes. While Martha, um, like Martha, we can be distracted by good things while missing out on the best things. What is the best thing? Here it is. Look. Martha was distracted with much serving, verse 40. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. So she's anxious. She's worried. She's not serving with a free, loving heart. She's worried about it. She's stressed. And that stress, she's trying to put on Mary. And now she's trying to put it on Jesus. She's trying to bring everybody into her world. Um, Tell her to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. And he's not scolding her. I mean, this... For me, I just hear compassion. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Look at the good portion. That's the portion of the meal, a portion of a meal. She made a good portion. Mary, or Martha is all concerned about the meal, and so Jesus plays on that. M Mary has chosen the best portion, which is sitting and listening to Jesus. 
There's some debate about what that best portion is. Is it seeking the kingdom first? Some would say it's seeking Jesus first. That's definitely part of it. But it's absolutely listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus. If Satan cannot make us really, really bad, he'll make us really, really busy. I read that somewhere else. I didn't come up with that. But it's good. If Satan cannot make us really, really bad, he'll make us really, really busy. I want to teach you a new word today. This is a word that could save your family. No. Let's all say that. Ready? One, two, three. No. Awesome. (laughs) A new word. No. When I first became a youth pastor, early on, I was warned by Bob. Bob is going to teach on marriage next week, but I was warned by Bob. He said, careful you don't lose your family. Careful you don't lose your family because ministry becomes God. A lot of times when you go full-time ministry, you, you equate ministry with God and that success with your spiritual life, which is totally messed up. But we do it. We do it. He said, set your boundaries and stick to them. So we had a big meeting one day, a bunch of the people on staff, and there was something else being added on in the evening. And I said, I can't do it. I said, no, no, this is really important. We got to do it. I said, I'm already out three nights. And that was our limit. We agreed, Callie and I agreed. Our limit is three nights a week. We can't do that. Oh, no. And and some were mad at me. But I said, no, we got to say no to some things. This week, Callie and I came inside. We sat down. We said, okay, we have said yes to some things that are really, really good that we need to say no to so we can focus on the better things. Because we can set those boundaries, but guess what? This, this last year, we haven't been as good at that. We have not done very well at that in this last year. Uh, and one of the things is, you know, church. Think about church. Think about all the things. We have all these kids over here. Most of you here, I'd say almost all of you here, are serving in some capacity. That's amazing to have that level of service in a church. But you get this idea of what we want to do, how we want to reach our community. We're focused up, in, and out. I want to help you grow with God. We want to help you grow in community, but yet we want to impact the community. We All this, okay, we got to take really good care of the kids. I'd say that's first priority, actually. Make that really good for our kids. So we have all these things we, we need to do and do well, but guess what? We've got limited resources, limited time. Li- we're limited. So some things, as a church, we have to say no to which is hard. And I've had people come up and go, okay, we got to do this, this, and this. I said, okay, do you have time to do it? No. Or they, I know they don't have time to do it. Well, who's going to do it? Then we're going to not do it. And sometimes I'll get this stare and like a twitch. <laughs> but, but, but churches do that. We got to do that. I don't have time. You, don't, you know, we can't yet. We got to say, I, I agree. That'd be great if we could do whatever but not right now. Or sometimes some, somebody will take over somebody else's job because it's not getting done or done right. And so they'll take over that one. Callie and I were dan- are guilty of this, me probably more, um, and take it over and do, you know, I think Paul pointed out, actually one of the first weeks Paul was here, um, Paul said, yeah, I, I said, I know there's things I shouldn't do that I'm doing. He's like, yeah, and here, and he named a few. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I look and I'm like, okay, this needs to get done. It's not done, so I'll do it, rather than just going, it doesn't get done. Whoa. Some of you are getting really nervous right now because you're thinking about your own life. Like, what things am I going to have to say no to? Because if you say no, it, here it is. Anything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Anything you say yes to means you're saying no to something else. But we don't often think about that. What are you saying yes to? What does that mean you're saying no to? And what are you missing out? Couples, when was your last date night? Or you just had fun together? When was your last date with a kid? You're just hanging out with a kid. What are we saying yes to? That means we're saying no to other things. Now, I have to say this. I know times have changed. I know times, I, I didn't start playing football till seventh grade. I didn't start wrestling till seventh grade. That's when it started. Now, if you're gonna compete in volleyball, basketball, soccer, any sport, you have to start when you're four. One and a half. I get, I get that. And I hear that argument. Like, but they won't be able to play. I played football in high school. It was a small high school. But I played. If we lived here, I probably wouldn't have been able to play because I would have showed up as a freshman and go, I want to play football. They'd be like, have you been playing for nine years? No. Not even looking at you. So I, I get it. But here's the question. Is your kid going pro? You know, is your kid going to be on Broadway? Brendan wants to be, okay. 
honestly, if we say yes to everything, we're saying no to things. Some families do this sports thing well. I've seen it done well. I've seen it where families are involved in all these sports and they do it well and they go together and they're ministering to those. I've seen it done well. I've also seen it done where three kids, three different directions all year round. And the families never see each other. They never do dinner. And they think they have to do it because that's what our society says. Guess what? If our society says to do it, it's probably wrong. It's okay to say no to those things. And guess what? We'll miss out. We'll miss out. We're going to deal with this next, next year. We're going to deal with this in a couple months because Kayla wants to do volleyball. Well, our limit has been one sport a year. She's already done two. We made an exception, so she learns basketball. We're going we're gonna to have to make that decision. And you're going to have to make those decisions. What do we say no to? Here's our application. Pull out your bulletin. Forgive me. We've gone a little longer than I normally do. Um, but I think that's Holy Spirit driven. I think this is important. Pull out your bulletin. Because margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. The difference between what you have and what you need. On that bulletin, you notice there's some big margin around a chunk of the scripture. I want you to write in there. What are you saying no to? Or what have you said no to? A good thing? Something God has asked you to do because you didn't have margin in time or finances. Think of it. Write it down and talk about it later. But write it down. For most of you, you know what it is. You don't have to think long. But I'm going to give you five seconds. Think about it. Ten seconds. Think about it. What have you said no to that you know you should do, you need to do for your family, or God wants you to do, but you haven't been able to because of money or finances? And then here's the conversation for you this week. What do I need to say no to so I can say yes to this? What needs to change? What do you need to say no to so you can say yes to this? I hope that some of this is still mulling over in your brain in January when we start uh, our series on game plan, God's plan for your life. Because if you're so busy with your plan for your life, you won't have room to hear God's plan for your life. And you're going to miss out. And guess what? God's going to do what he's going to do. It just means we're going to miss out on it. So let's make some margin. Let me pray and let's worship. Let's sing. Father, I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You can be convicting Holy Spirit. One of your roles we know is to convict of sin. And I, I have committed sin in busyness. I have committed sin by saying yes to things I shouldn't say yes to, good things. Please forgive me. I thank you that you've designed us to rest. I thank you that we don't have to keep up with the pace our society tells us we have to. Now, it's so easy for us to walk out from something like this and go, nah, never mind. Holy Spirit, convict us, show us, and help us take the steps we need to make for the sake of our kids, our wives, our husbands, our families. It's all for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.